Hi, everybody. I'm Marcus Quitz, Executive Editor at MMNM, and I want to welcome you, to all, you all to this week's episode of the MMNM Podcast, during which my intrepid co-host, Allison Kansky, MMNM reporter, and I interview people of note in and around the healthcare marketing world. Hey, Allison. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Good, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and our guest today, all the way from Austin, Texas, is Nancy Beasley, President and Founding Partner of HCB Health. Hey, Nancy. Hello there. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for coming in. We do appreciate it. And thanks to all of you out there for listening. I also want to thank our producers, Carrie Gavitt and Mickey Brown, for their efforts. Uh, we're live streaming this, and the replay will be posted tomorrow uh, to your podcasting service of choice. And we're going to speak with Nancy about such topics as where does an ex-Long Islander get good bagels in Austin? Uh, but before we get into things like that, uh, just some housekeeping items. Uh, we hope you saw MMNM's live blogging and tweeting of today's Senate Finance Committee hearing, the PBM edition where the five of them testified today on Capitol Hill. For the most part, it was a dignified discussion, but things got a little testy when one of them urged the senators to please not call them middlemen because it doesn't acknowledge their clinical expertise in negotiating lower drug prices. Needless to say, they continue to use the term middlemen. Anyway, if you missed the action, you can check that out um, on um, our Twitter page as well as Allison's uh, recap for our homepage. Um, and um, also a couple other housekeeping housekeeping items, excuse me. The submission deadline for the MMM Awards is Wednesday, April 10th, so tomorrow. Uh, also register for the MMM Transforming Healthcare webcast, which is taking place on Thursday, April 11th, to get a sneak peek into the conference. So that's our story. Without further ado, Nancy, welcome again. Thank you, Mark. Of course. Uh, you've worked at HCB for 16 years. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, your, your most formative career stops, that kind of thing? Uh, absolutely. So I'm actually, well, you can probably tell from my accent, not from Texas originally. <laughs> uh, I was born and raised in Rockville Center, New York, and spent most of my 20s in New York. After college, uh, I went to Loyola University. I um, wound up back at the agency I interned at, which was an agency called Jurgenti Hughes Butler McDowell. Sure. Um, I don't know, Steve Jurgenti is kind of a kind of an icon in this business. And I had interned for them and uh, loved the internship. I was headed to law school, but I did one summer at a pharma ad agency and I really fell in love with it. Hmm. So when I graduated, I wanted to go back into the industry and I called uh, I called Steve and he said, yeah, I, I have a, an assistant account executive position for you. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to look around a little bit. I'm going to go look at all the big agencies. I want to, because it was a small agency at the time. I want to go see, you know, what I can what I can do. Long story short, I realized very quickly that those jobs were not easy to come by. And I kind of went groveling back to Steve Gergenti and said, can I please have a job? <laughs> and Steve said, I don't have that job anymore. The only job I have is a receptionist. You want that job? And hmm. I said, I'll take it. So I always tell everybody on my staff, you know, I really have done every job in this ad agency. <laughs> <laughs> and that receptionist is a very important person. That's the director of first impressions. So. Of course. And then the other lesson there is strike while the iron's hot. Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes what you think is better isn't. So, um, And then I was there uh, with Steve and that team for about six years, and then I moved to Austin, um, Texas. I know. It's crazy, right? And uh, quickly discovered that healthcare marketing didn't exist. There was really no place for me to go with, with what I had, so I decided to 
open up a small boutique agency and we did a lot of tech. You know, Austin is very well known for technology. And I was sad because I really, really missed uh, med tech and pharma and I wanted, I wanted it back. So enter Kerry Hilton, my current partner. He was running uh, an outpost of Bozelle and was looking to acquire some local agencies to grow his business. So he acquired our agency, our small agency, and we came together and we were working on a, a client out of San Antonio, a medical device, uh, an incredible product that, that VAC therapy that, that was revolutionary. It was a billion, it became a billion dollar uh, wound therapy. And we decided that we both really wanted to stay focused on healthcare. And we believed that we could service or a very underserviced population. So we said goodbye to all of our non-healthcare clients. You know, we resigned all that business and we had a home builder and auto. We had to say goodbye. And then uh, we incorporated HCB Health and we've never really looked back. You know, I, I, I always tell the story. I was, we, I was at a soccer game with my son and um, another parent who was an owner of an advertising agency in Austin. And he said, wait, are you, are you the ones that just declared yourselves healthcare only? And I said, yes, actually, we did. And I was so proud of myself. And he said, are you crazy? He said, you're going to be out of business in a year. Hmm. So I've, I've, I, I, yeah, I've told people that that's been my mantra for, for many years. A lot of the technology companies that were there have come and gone, and we're still here. So, And have you seen the um, growth um, of industry? in that part of the country and, and what was it like, you know, to be such a pioneer? You know, you said medical communications really did not exist uh, there at that time. What, what was it like to kind of build out that business? You know, it, we were pioneers. You know, I, I always, I, I, we used to say it was the Wild West. I mean, they, we really didn't have, um, we didn't have uh, that foundation. You know, the, the thing about the, the, the East Coast, the, this tri-state area, you you have so much a concentration of clients, and we didn't have that. So we had to kind of look and see what was closest to us. Obviously, we started with, with KCI. We quickly picked up Alcon, you know, the largest ophthalmology company in the world, and they were really interested in working with us. They were kind of tired of the New York agencies and, you know, the big agencies. They, they wanted a different experience, and that did change our, our agency. And then we started to see that, you know, we could be in California a lot faster than a East Coast agency could. You know, geographically, we had an advantage. Central Time is a, you know, as, a Chicago, as Chicago knows, Central Time is a great place to be if you're servicing on, on both coasts. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was tough. You know, we had, to, um, we had to say no to a lot of things, and a lot of people said no to us, you know. Uh, we weren't the picture of what they imagined their pharma agency to be. So um, it's been a fun ride, though. And, and, you know, the last few years have really picked up a lot of steam for us. So we're excited about the future. Sure. We'll get into that in a moment. Um, since you've been talking about Texas, I have a similar thing where I kind of moved across the country. I grew up in South Carolina, and here I am in New York. I'm getting married in South Carolina. Really? Two, in two months. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> um, what town? Uh, Charleston. Oh, I'm getting married in Beaufort. Oh, lovely. That's going to be beautiful. I'm very um, excited. So I wanted to ask what, what your experience has been moving from kind of the opposite, moving from New York and going down south and kind of how you're dealing with the changes there. And like Mark said, where do you find good bagels and pizza and all that kind of important stuff? 
You know, it's a great question. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, Austin has changed so dramatically in the last 20 years. Um, so it's, it, when I moved there, it was, it was a lot more, um, there was a lot less choices, right? You know, now Austin is very cosmopolitan. There's, there's every great restaurants and hotels and culture. But I always t- tell the story is when I, when I first moved to Texas, um, I was, uh, my fiance at the time, I was, I was getting up in the morning and it was my first morning in Austin and I was putting my, my, my tennis shoes on. I notice I say tennis shoes, not sneakers, which is what everybody in the East Coast says. I was putting on my sneakers and he said, um, well, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to get some coffee. And he said, on foot? <laughs> because you can't, you know, that was the biggest culture shift is like not being able to go get a good bagel. And the answer to your question is there there are no good bagels because okay. it's the water uh, and we don't have uh, the same water. So right. it's I don't eat bagels. I have any. I just I gave them up because yeah, only when I come home to New York do I have bagels. That was a good move. Now you won't go through withdrawal syndrome. Exactly. So, exactly. No, yeah. no carbs. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, so, so thanks for addressing that on a, on a professional and personal note. Um, let's talk about HCB and, and the state of play there. Um, you made some new hires earlier this year in each of your three business units. T- take us through that. So, you know, one of the things that makes uh, our agency different is is the fact that, you know, we, we have a lot of experience in med tech and medical device as well as pharma, but as, as well as, uh, as our Texas Oncology, Schumacher Clinical Partners, we work with physicians, actual physicians and patients. And so what we decided to do is to kind of narrow our focus, but also broaden it. I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but what we did it was decided to um, create these three business units. So we have Biopharma, which is led by Francesco Lucarelli, who joined the agency about two years ago. He came from McCann, um, and, some, and he was on the client side for a while. And then we have the Med Tech Division, which is, which is uh, led by Amy Dowell, who's been with the agency for a very long time, and she is, you know, one of the most seasoned people in med device, probably one of the best, you know, minds out there in in that space. And then Kim Carpenter, another longtime agency veteran, is running the health and wellness division. And and Kim has been working with Texas Oncology and that team for eleven years. You know, in the med tech space, Alcon's been a client for nine years. I mean, we when we get clients, they 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 tend to stay around, and it's mm-hmm. and it is because the way that we operate, the culture, the 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 kind of energy that we've created at the agency. But we are really experiencing a lot of growth, and you know, one of the remarkable things for me, for us, has been, you know, recruiting. Ten years ago was really challenging, especially for the biopharma business, pharma business, you know, because you would get these really talented people out of the East Coast or Chicago. This is before we had Chicago. And they didn't want to move. You know, they didn't want to come to Austin. But now, every day my phone rings and it's somebody who's ready to come to Austin, who's ready to get out of the rat race. And they, they want to do this work this work in, in medicine, this work that we do that changes people's lives, you know, they want to come do it. And, and I get it because I know when I had to move to Austin, I didn't, I didn't want to work on cars and, and, and law firms and technology. I, I wanted to be in this. But mm-hmm. we're getting a lot of people now that, are, that want something different. So um, the agency has seen a lot of growth, um, both with our clients and our people. You know, the talent that we've, our ECD comes from 
CDM, Princeton, and she went to UT and she wanted to come back. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's it's been an it's been a really interesting ride, and the, the the diversity of the agency has changed so much, but in such a great way. I'm so. Um, it's just, it's really exciting because we're getting a lot. And, and the people that are coming from New York and these places are, um, they're bringing their discipline and their processes and their ideas and their, the way that they do things. And it's really invigorating some of us who have been there longer. So it's sure. working out really well. Great, great. And we'll ask you a little bit about retention and recruitment in a moment. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Chicago office that came into the HCB fold with Al Topin's agency there, right? So, uh, you know, Al had had his agency for a long time, 30 plus years, and he was looking to retire. And so Carrie, my partner, met with him and uh, they had a lot of discussions about, you know, what was the right thing to do. And, 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 you know, Al had entertained offers over the years from other agencies, bigger holding companies, but he knew that we would take care of his baby. And we did. So he... Uh, sold us the agency in 2014, and we uh, rebranded, you know, became HCB Health and and never looked back. It's been five years already, hard to believe. Yeah, it has. Yeah, yeah so now you're, you're bi-located in, in Chicago and Austin, and uh, so you've, you've branched out. Um, uh, speaking of recruiting, like you were just talking about, people are calling you up and wanting to move to Austin. I know when I speak to agencies in New York, they always seem to struggle with actually getting people in and keeping them around. Um, do you have that kind of difficulty at your agency in Austin, or is it really just people are calling you up and they're like, I want to live there. It's a new cool place to be. Yeah, it's probably a little of both. I, I would say um, we don't have attrition problems the same way other agencies do. And I attribute that more to our culture than I do to the town, I mm-hmm. would say. Um, you know, we take I take great pride in making sure that people that come to work every day want to come to work and want to be there. Um, some places will talk about, you know, work-life balance, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I, be- I believe in work-life balance. And, I, and I, I tell people when they come, if you're coming here to work 80 hours a week, this is not the place for you. I, I want people to love what they do and to be passionate and smart and work hard, but I want them to have a life outside of work. And the truth is, Austin and Chicago, both cities are incredibly livable cities. Now, Chicago is quite a bit colder, um, but Austin, you're, you're outdoors 250 days a year. I mean, you, it's except for you know August and September, which is really hot. Um, so I want people to live their lives. I want them to spend time with their families and, and do what makes them happy. I think you can still do great work and have a life. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the things that we... We really try to to stress, um, you know, that is one of the challenges. I have to be honest, you know, when you somebody moves to Austin, you know, we kind of we got them right. <laughs> Where are they going to go? <laughs> so you know, there's a lot of agency jumping that happens mm-hmm. in New York and the mm-hmm. East Coast. You know, I go here and then I go here and then I go here and then I go here. You don't really do that with us. You know, mm-hmm. you come and we respect that people make a commitment to coming, so we make sure that, mm-hmm. that we can keep them and that they're happy. Oh, sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> And um, you mentioned that uh, your recruitment and retention success is probably due more to your culture than to Austin itself. I've also heard that a lot of med tech and health tech companies have relocated from Silicon Valley to Austin in recent years. And of course, HCB's office predates a lot of that. that that's got to be a good thing for you guys, no? 
You know, it is. I, I think um, one of the things that we have always found is that the, the technology people, you know, was, uh, somebody had asked me, do you, you know, do you train everybody or do you, you know, how does that work? And in med tech, we found a lot of the talent, our writers, some of our best writers, best art directors, best strategic thinkers come from the technology space, right? Because med tech essentially is that. It's the convergence of both. And so... Um, from a talent pool perspective, you know, yes, yeah, sometimes in the in the far, in the pharma unit, we, we do have to go outside of Texas to find the talent. Um, we have to kind of pluck them from other places. But it's been remarkable over time how many talented individuals have just showed up at her door um, by virtue of a relocation or by virtue of just wanting to either get out of California because the taxes are too high or they want to get out of the rat race of New York. And we, we luck out. Sure. And uh, when you talk about your med tech uh, unit, uh, what are some of your standout clients in that unit? Do they range from like the big uh, medical device companies down to the smaller, say, health tech startups? So, I mean, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be able to talk about our med tech, um, our med tech, you know, unit without talking about Alcon Labs, who actually is on in the news today because they were spun off from Novartis. Yeah. And uh, today was their first day on the on the stock exchange. So it's a very exciting time. Yeah. And, you know, for Alcon, they were bought by Novartis, a big pharma company, and now they're going to go back to their roots of, mm-hmm. of being a surgical company. And right. and right. I think it's it's I think it's kind of cool to see companies evolve in a way that they need to and to get back to what they do well. Um, we we have worked with almost every major medical device, device manufacturer. You know, Abbott, there's a big outpost of Abbott in Austin. We've worked with them. We're doing some great stuff with a new client in the genome space, the genetic space. We've got that in both uh, Biopharma and in uh, the MedTech uh, division. And so, yeah, we've worked on small medical device companies and, you know, and then the real big ones, Medtronic and that, that whole group. We're working with Terumo aortic right now and a launch of a really cool product. Thank you for mentioning the, the spinoff of Alcon uh, from Novartis. As Novartis, you know, cuts things that are not core to its, you know, pharma business. How do you expect that to impact you guys? I think it's 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 really going to be great. I mean, I know that that probably sounds like the, tri- the tried answer, so to speak. But, you know, Alcon is a, an ophthalmic company. They are. They have been doing this for a very long time. They're, they did have a big drug portion of the organization, and Novartis has absorbed that. But they, at their very core, they are a surgical company, a surgical device company, a medical device company, because they have contact lenses, which are medical devices. They um, will get back to doing what they need to do, and that's you know, create new products, be able to market the way they need to market. You know, the hard thing about a medical device company coming under a pharmaceutical company is that they have to kind of play by the pharma company's rules. And and the rules are much more stringent, you know, in, in terms. So this will give them some latitude and some flexibility to, to get back to being innovative, to becoming more nimble, which is really what they want to do. I mean, the mm-hmm. thing that Alcon loves is just being with doctors and spending time with doctors and and patients. And this is going to allow them to, to do that, to get closer to the customer. Sure. I think if it would have been the opposite dynamic, that if they were absorbing Alcon, obviously we'd, we'd be having a different conversation. But mm-hmm. I think it might be make your job harder, you know, but than, than if than 
what's actually happening is that they're being spun off into an independent again. I, I think it's the, the best days of, of Alcon are, are ahead of them. I mean, I really am excited for them and that you can feel, you know, you can feel in an organization when when things are going well. And, you know, when I walk the halls there, the energy is, is just palpable. So I'm, right. I'm really excited for them. Yeah, great. Now, I just wanted to touch on leadership a little bit. I know that's something that you're passionate about. You've actually written a small op-ed that we're going to publish uh, this week on your keys to, oh, to leadership. And um, so and, and one of the one of the tenants that you mentioned in there, um, you talk about a few, several things like vulner vulnerability is one of the things uh, that you talk about, um, that you had to show your own vulnerability before others would feel free to share theirs with, with you and how that was a key to growth on both sides. Another thing you talk about um, in, in that piece uh, is how to bring out leadership in other people, uh, which obviously I would imagine is, a, is, a, is an important character trait and skill for, for any leader. Can you talk, talk a little bit about that, how you bring out leadership abilities in, in your people? So, you know, I think um, being a mentor and, and training people is, the, is by far the most important thing that I do. You know, I, I think as a leader of an organization, you know, people are always watching you and what you do, and you have to walk the walk. And so when, when I'm trying to look at my, let's call middle management team and figure out how do they get to the next step, um, Teaching somebody how to be a good leader is like being a parent. You know, they're, they're going to model the behavior that you demonstrate for them. So the best way for me to answer that question is if I'm holding myself accountable for my impact on a situation or a thing, they're watching me mm -hmm. hold my mm -hmm. accountability. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, when they see me be vulnerable, um, and, and as I wrote in the piece, you know, one of the things I always struggle with as, as a female leader is, is you know, you want to you want to be a badass. You always want to be strong. You don't want people to see the cracks because somehow then they would, you know, they would know, you know, that you don't have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, you know, one of the things I've realized is one of the only good things about getting older is that vulnerability actually makes you so much more not just relatable, but so much more honest and it really does make you a better leader so i i try to show my vulnerability now and and to allow other people to show theirs mm -hmm. so we can have informed dialogues you know i have this rule at the agency which is not it's not my rule it's our rule that you know everybody messes up right there are always going to be breakdowns at, at any agency at any group of people it's not really the break it's not the mess up it's the cleanup and so my expectation is always that when people have a disagreement, people have challenges. I don't care about that. I expect you to have those, but I expect you to go right to the person and clean up with them and get that conversation. So I make a habit of, or I try to make a habit of it, is, you know, having conversations, right, mm -hmm. with people, tough conversations. I'm, I'm trying to show that, you know, I need to be accountable for my impact and we need to have, we need to have these conversations as much as we can. So I think for me, you know, teaching people how to be a leader, I don't know that I know how to teach people. I know how to show people. Hmm. Perhaps that's what uh, the business books mean when they say authentic leadership. Yeah, I think authenticity is, is, is one of those things, you know, you either have it or you don't have it in a lot of ways. I think you can, um, you can try harder to be authentic, but I think when we strip away all the things that we want people to see and believe about us, that's really the I think the best leaders are the people that are they're okay admitting that they're not perfect. Sure. And as you said, the great leaders are made, they're not born. 
and you share some anecdotal points, which we'll leave it to people to read in the piece, uh, which, which is very nice. Uh, it's, it's a good read. Thank um, you. Sure. So, um, and then I um, also wanted to touch on, um, you know, diversity and inclusion a little bit. Um, you know, you're one of the great leaders in this industry. Uh, you happen to be a woman leader. Uh, we're seeing a lot of progress on that front um, and women making it into the C-suite and in the agency world. Um, you know, talk about the state of diversity and inclusion in, in, your, in your world, in your agency, um, and, you know, where you think the, the most progress has been made and where we need to improve things. Well, you know, I mean, again, this is where uh, our location and kind of our what we're doing makes us a little bit different. I mean, uh, you know, I was I was talking to Jason before this and I was saying, you know, we're, we have so few. We're always looking to get new people. So we're taking everybody. <laughs> we don't have any. We're not we're not exactly uh, saying that, um, you know, divert we, diversity is, is an issue for us because Austin has become such a diverse place compared to where where it was and how it was years ago. From a female perspective, you know, the nice thing about our agency is it's about 50-50 in terms of leadership, male to female. And uh, I like that balance. I think um, everybody's everybody's voice is important. And I, I don't want to say it's not a thing for us, but it just isn't a thing. I mean, we... we um, we don't have to go out of our way to, to do inclusion because it's just a part of who we are in Austin. Austin's a very liberal-minded city. It's a very open city. It's a very um, diversity, becoming more diverse. You know, it wasn't quite as diverse when I first moved there, but now it's the face of Austin is changing. Um, so, I'm sure you have some deliberate policies on the books, whether they're employer-sponsored groups or things where you – uh, try to encourage it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we we always want to encourage as much, you know, diversity in 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 hiring and in the work that we do, um, and we do have some programs. But I mean, like I said, for us, it's it's not as it's not as big of an issue because we're all we were so organically built that we're so diverse to begin with. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, we're it's just who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay, so I think we can get to the speed round now. Yes, Allison's speed round been chomping time. at the bit for that. Oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a very speedy speed round. Speed okay. Round. Speed. Only two so, questions. Okay. <laughs> uh, so first question, what are you currently reading? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, right now I am reading a book called uh, The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell. Which I highly recommend. Nancy, this is a family show. <laughs> I would highly recommend uh, to so to not sound like a nerd, but this book is a um, it's actually fiction, but it's it has a a story about a a, a boy who was born um, with his sclera because now being an ophthalmology nerd for a minute, the sclera is the white part of your eye, and his sclera was was born red. And it's his story. It's a fiction book, but it's got a little bit of ophthalmology in it, which I loved. And um, it's just a captivating read. It's really good. I don't want it to end. (laughs) Great. And a second question. Who is a person that you admire for their leadership ability? Oh, that is a good question. Um, Well, I would have to go to my mentor, Dana Maiman. Dana, I've known Dana for 15 years. And uh, Dana is one of those people who does not have to take time out of her day to meet with me when I'm in New York, but she does. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is one of those people that is beloved by so many people. And what I love about Dana is if you've ever worked for her and you ask somebody that's worked for her, you'll say, 
you know, how did, how did you, they'll say, oh, I, I say, oh, I know Dana Maiman. She was, she's my mentor. And they say, oh, love her. And for me, that would be the ultimate measure of my value, my worth, is for people that have left the agency 10 years ago telling people how much they love to work for me. Mm-hmm. You know, Dana, Dana's done an amazing thing in a big network agency, and she's, mm-hmm. she runs that show, and she runs it well. And she used to run the consumer division as well, as I understand it. She did. Uh, she, she did. And she's broad shoulders. She she's an she's an amazing inspiration to me. And I always I tell her I have my, you know, what would Dana do moments at the agency. And <laughs> sometimes I figure it out myself. And there are other times I call her and she always gives me great advice. Yeah, it's great. She's taught me a few lessons over the years as well. I can imagine. Yeah, she's yes. she's been around. Absolutely. OK, well, uh, once again, I want to thank you for coming in, Nancy. It's uh, fascinating to, to speak with you. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. I want to congratulate you on the upcoming nuptials as well. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you, Allison, our stalwart co-host today. (laughs) Thank you. And uh, just a couple of those housekeeping items again. uh, The submission deadline for the MMNM Awards is tomorrow, April 10. Uh, Also register for the MMNM Transforming Healthcare webcast, which is this Thursday, April 11th at 1, where you can get a sneak peek into some of the things we're going to be talking about at our May Spring Conference, MMM Transforming Healthcare. We're actually going to have an interview with uh, Amanda Daly, who's um, the head of medical sales and medical education for Canopy Growth, which is the largest producer of medical marijuana uh, in in Canada, certainly, and one of the biggest around the world. And just going to talk about um, how they're upping doctors' comfort level with medical marijuana in that country where it's legislated um, federally, legal. Here, of course, it's a different story. About 33 states have, have, have legalized it, but it's not federal, federally legalized yet, but just kind of preparing people for you know that market as it expands here. Um, so stay tuned for that. It should be very interesting. And as well, as well our, our May uh, Spring Conference itself, you can uh, find out more information about that and register as well. Uh, so that's the story for us. That's it. We're going we're gonna to call it here. I want to thank our guest again. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Allison. Thank you to our producers. And uh, we'll catch everybody next time. Thanks. Thank you.